Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. We call this Family Sunday because it's the first Sunday in a long time, maybe since Easter last year, we haven't had uh, kids-ville in the back where the kids go and they actually sit with us in the service. So if you were thinking today would be Family Sunday service at the Ville where we talk about fun butterfly family stuff. Well, I didn't plan it that well. And we're on this um, series called Lent, A Journey to the Cross, which is a a sober look at Jesus's journey to the cross and our own journey to the cross, carrying our own cross as Christians. And if you remember, uh, this is the third week. So two weeks ago, we did repentance. Last week, we talked about justice. And this week, on Family Sunday, we're talking about suffering. So my apologies in advance to not doing that well, but hopefully I still think that there's a lot here and a lot that we can glean, even as families, about this topic of um, suffering. And to be honest with you as well, this sermon was really hard to write. Um, It... It was really hard because suffering is such a broad topic, right? And there's so many things to say about it, generally, biblically. Um, and then when you start thinking about suffering, when that's what you're thinking about preaching on or trying to read through the Bible, it, it's a huge dose of reality that suffering is real. And so when I'm trying to think how to structure this sermon, I got stuck. And on Thursday... I remember I was like, I don't know what to say. Honestly, there's so much here that I don't know how God wants to do this. So I got up, I took a walk, and I was just asking God. I was, I was like, how do I even understand suffering? It's so different for all of us in this room and in this world. How do I understand this? And instantly a thought came to my mind, and it was just, what's, what's the reality of suffering? Um, and then why does it happen? What, what is the reason for it? And then what's my reaction to it? Like, how do I respond to suffering? So I'm taking that, I'm running with it this Sunday because I think it actually lined up perfectly with how to talk about it. So today I want to talk about the reality, the reason, and the reaction to our suffering. Okay, so the reality of our suffering. On one hand, right, I can look around the world and feel ridiculous about complaining about anything, like utterly foolish for even beginning to feel like I suffer. I mean, if you want a sober dose of reality, you can look at North Korea and look at how 25% of the Christians in North Korea, there's like 300,000 Christians in North Korea, 25% of them are in these prison camps that are literally the exact same as concentration camps that the Nazis used in World War II. And so... There's about 75,000 Christians in North Korea right now who are in these camps, dying, being tortured, and it's terrible, right? You can look at Somalia um, in Africa. They have 11 million people in the country, and there's a few hundred Christians. So 11 million people, a few hundred Christians. And if in the country it's even thought for a second that you have denounced your faith in Islam, it's a rush public execution immediately. So you, it's not even proven if there's a thought that that could be you, public execution on the spot. And 
I mean, we can go on and on. Like, I don't know if you keep up with South Sudan and the 4 million people that are starving every day, that need help, and we're dropping in all this food every day, spending millions and millions of dollars every day to feed these people because of the civil war going on. But to be honest, I don't even need to look around the world to feel what I feel. I can look in this room, and it's hard because my experiences and how I was brought up I, it makes me think, well, what, what do I know about persecution and suffering? Because I kind of wrote down a list of things that make it harder for me to understand some of y'all's suffering that you guys go through. I was raised in a two-parent, stable house, which is a lot more than a lot of people at this church. I didn't grow up poor. I got a car when I was 16. Um, I went to a private high school. I... Uh, I've been given every educational opportunity. I graduated from college. I have a master's degree. The only reason I don't have a PhD is a mixture of laziness and disinterest and a pinch of I'm not smart enough. Uh, but it's there if I could do that. Like, there's nothing stopping me from pursuing that. Um, I'm white, so I don't know the minority experience. Um, I'm a male. I don't know the female experience. I'm straight, I don't know the gay experience. Um, I'm married, so I currently don't know the single experience, and I don't know what the experience is like having a divorce. Um, I have two biological kids that me and my wife had together, so I don't know the experience of not being able to conceive. I've never been sexually exploited or physically beaten. Um, I have no chronic impairments or diseases. The list can go on and on. So yeah, on the one hand, it feels absurd for me to be up here speaking to you guys about suffering. But on the other hand, I would be lying to myself if I said I don't suffer, right? As privileged as my circumstances are, I feel burdened by others. I feel frustrated when I struggle with my own sin. I get sick. I've been slandered. I've been persecuted for my faith. I've felt utterly helpless before. I've experienced the loss of loved ones. I've had relationship woes. My soul, my soul has been in turmoil. I've had spiritual attack, and on and on. So I'm trying to balance these two realities. So, I mean, even, even just this week, I've had very small bits of suffering, like when I turned off the Florida game with one minute to go in overtime because <laughs> I was tired. And then they came back and hit a buzzer beater. And that was a, there was a slight piece of me that died when I heard that. Um, but then I've had like immense suffering this week. Because on Monday, I was dancing with my daughter in our living room. And I heard her arm pop. And then she held it. And she said, owie, for, and bawling, crying for like 20 minutes. So for 20 minutes, I thought I broke my two-year-old daughter's arm dancing. Turns out it didn't happen. But for 20 minutes, there was like this weight that instantly came over me. I'm sure I looked white because how did I just break my daughter's arm dancing? I got to control myself. I got to rein it in. It's not about me. It's about her. Anyway, so, but then also all these things in between, you know, I, like me and Jen had some arguments this week and it's, it's hard to hear some of the things that she tells me about myself and that I'm causing her suffering, which actually makes me suffer, because it's a mental turmoil that, like, 
man, what am I doing? And then there's even, you know, Wolfgang, my 10-month-old son. As cute as he is, he does this thing between, um, like, humming and crying. It's a mixture. And he does it for long periods of time. And it's like Chinese water torture on my ears. <laughs> and he doesn't stop. And I, I really have a lot of come-to-Jesus moments with it. So, but throughout the week, I could pick out just this week, man, there's been things that was actually really hard for me to deal with. So while both these things are true, um, that compared to others in this room and around the world, my suffering seems small, but my experiences, both past and current, reveal that I definitely suffer. So the reality of suffering is that we all suffer to different extents. Now, the question is, why? The basis for all suffering is sin. Suffering is a shared human experience due to the fall of man, due to sin disrupting God's good creation. Right? The reason we suffer is because we disobeyed God at the beginning, thus breaking this perfect peace, this perfect shalom all over creation. Um, we suffer because we live in this fallen world where sin reigns in the hearts of men. So we can experience suffering directly from people because of sin in people, whether it's from lying, violence, divorce, slander, etc. But we can also experience suffering indirectly because of sin in creation, whether it's natural disasters, diseases, death, etc. So ultimately, I just want to point out that the reason for our suffering is our sin. Our corporate sin under Adam, which threw all of creation into disarray and turmoil, and then our individual sin now against God and against each other. So how do we deal with it? So that's the reality of sin. This is the reason for sin. Now what's the response for suffering? And then what's the response to our suffering? Um, there's many things in this life that we can control. Suffering is not one of them. Uh, given the severity and the randomness of suffering, it's not surprising that people react in a lot of different ways to suffering. So some people become, become anxious, worried, um, they become stressed. Other people become, well, they're just really driven to despair and uh, depression. Um, some people become angry and become angry with God. How could God let this happen? Um, some people become cynical and indifferent, and they say, you know what? They remove themselves and say, I'm just going to eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow I die, and I'm not even going to worry about suffering. Um, and I think most Americans tend to, especially the ones in power, uh, become cynical and indifferent to suffering. Um, I've heard comedians say this, I'm sure you have too, that when there's like this national or international like, tragedy that happens, comedians on like late night or whoever, they, they say something along the lines of, at a time like this, I want to provide a little laughter to help ease our minds and not make things so terribly heavy. Have you guys heard stuff like that? Um, but my question is, how does it actually help? How does that help? It helps us forget, but it does not help us heal. And the thing is, um, it doesn't provide us with a reason for suffering. And it doesn't give us a hope about the future. So we just ignore the problem like it's just, it's like we don't want to face it. So we just ignore the problem. So the world has a really hard time making sense of suffering. It either becomes extremely depressed at the reality of it, 
or it tries everything it can to dodge it and make sure that it doesn't affect them. Um, so ways that I've seen this, and I, Jay told me a story that happened to him this past week, but I want him to tell it because he's better at telling his own stories. Uh, but it was basically, he got in this argument, and this person was like, love is love. I, I love love, and I love hope, and that's what I believe in. That's my religion. And he's like, you know, as human beings, you know, we can, we can make this new world, this new utopia of love, right? And for many reasons, that can't happen by humans. Because one, either humans ruin it every time, or, and Jay will tell you the story later, but this guy's vision of that, it doesn't actually include certain people. And it doesn't include the people that are suffering. So it ignores the problem. Um, anyway, is everyone depressed? Okay, cool. Um, here's the good news. Luckily for us, uh, we are not left to our own devices to deal with suffering. Um, God knows the reason for suffering, and his reaction is actually to put himself smack dab into the reality of suffering. It, it truly is the most remarkable thing that the creator of the whole universe would enter into suffering willingly to actually know suffering personally, to endure suffering to an unimaginable degree in order that we, we might have hope and joy in the midst of our own suffering today. That's amazing, amazing good news. So the only way that we can actually understand the reality, the reason, and the reaction of suffering is to look at, as of our suffering at least, is to look at Jesus and his reality, his reason, and his reaction to suffering, okay? So again, we're in the series, Lent, A Journey to the Cross, and what's interesting about Jesus' journey to the cross is the closer he actually came to the cross, the more, it's basically a snowball effect of suffering. It got worse and worse the closer and closer he got to the end, which was the cross. And the more we understand the reality of Jesus' suffering, the more shocking it actually becomes. Because suffering can be split up into three categories. It can be physical, it can be emotional, and it can be spiritual. So I'm going to just share a little bit about each three of those with Jesus. So his suffering was physical. Isaiah 52, 14 says this about the Messiah that was to come. There were many who were appalled by him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Not many people in the history of humanity have experienced physical suffering the way Jesus experienced it going to the cross. His appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man. You could not even tell as a man anymore. And his body was marred so he didn't even look human. Not many people, I mean, very, very, very few have ever experienced anything like that physically. And his suffering was emotional. All the disciples deserted him and fled. The disciples who loved Jesus, who pledged their allegiance and their life to Jesus at his most vulnerable and hard time deserted him. Not many people know 
to that extent, being given up for committing something he didn't do, being completely abandoned by those closest to him in his greatest time of need. The emotional turmoil of that is really hard to understand, especially for me, because I've never had anything close to that happen. And his suffering was spiritual. And this is the point where people might have had similar experiences physically in history, and they might have had similar experiences emotionally, but no one, no one has even come close to experiencing the suffering Jesus um, experienced when he was spiritually. God made him who had no sin be sin for us. And what that means is God, who was perfect, perfect in, in union with these three persons, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, knew no sin, perfectly uh, obedient, loving, at peace, broke away from that to actually experience sin that he didn't commit, but and not only a sin for a few of us, but for the whole world. Jesus had the weight of the sins of the world on him on the cross. It says, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He bore the weight of the world's sins, and he took on the wrath and justice of God for all sins, for all history. So his suffering is so immensely more than we could ever even imagine, it's, it's hard to even compare it to other humans. I'm just going to leave you with this last thing that Psalms 22 says, and when it was uh, describing some of the suffering that this Messiah would actually experience. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, and you lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So the reality of Jesus' suffering is real, and it is beyond anything we can imagine. So why? Why? What was the reason? Why would Jesus willingly go through all this torment and anguish physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Well, let's look at what Isaiah said foreshadowing the Messiah's suffering. He said this, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The passage announces the reason for Jesus' suffering. He suffered for our transgressions, our sin, for our healing, and to bring us peace and into peace with God. Jesus endured all this suffering for us. He endured all this suffering for you and for me. The only reason Jesus did that was because of his boundless, immense, and astounding love for us. There's no other reason. He had nothing to gain. So he suffered infinitely. So our suffering would only be temporary. 
He became nothing so that we might gain everything, and he endured when we could take no more. God reveals himself in Jesus Christ as a God whose compassion for his creation is immeasurable. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this. The only reason Jesus came into this broken, jacked up world was to reconcile us suffering sinners back to himself by suffering more than anyone could ever conceive, suffering with the hope that his demonstration of this overwhelming love would shock us and amaze us out of our sinful ways and call us back to the Father. God's glory was on full display at the cross. So what is our response to that? That's the question. What's our response to Jesus' suffering? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The response that we have to God coming to us to suffer for us is one of true joy and true rejoicing. There can be no other sane response because um, if we think that in our life, even in our deepest distress, we can rejoice knowing that God came to us. And no matter what's happening to us, it's temporary because God, God has, he has made a way in Jesus Christ. So when it says, but rejoice in it so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. I want you guys to know this. We will have pain. The world's broken. We're broken. We will have pain and we will have hurt. But as long as we place our dependence on our Lord God, we will not fall. And not only will we not fall, we will stand and we will not be moved because joy comes out of a stabilizing strength, right, that comes when you suffer and you look up and right beside you, you see God right there with you suffering along with you. Um, Jesus came into our suffering. When Jesus left, he didn't leave us to our own devices. He actually left his spirit to comfort us in our suffering. The spirit offers union with the Father above through Jesus to sustain us in our suffering, and he promises to end all suffering when Jesus returns. This is amazing news. If you've ever suffered and you've ever felt like you've hit the wall and nothing good can come out of it, and that you're depressed and have no hope, we know that the suffering will end and that God loves us in our suffering. We know this to be true because God's already proven it, um, and he's proven it, and he's proven it to himself faithful by the redemption of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus from his own suffering. Jesus suffered more than anyone, and God pulled him out of his suffering. That's a fact. So he did it with Christ, and he will do it again with those in Christ. And that's a promise, not from me, but from God. So the worst disappointments, the worst depressions, the worst pains, the worst and most unexpected deaths will not destroy those who have their hope in Jesus Christ. So here's how I'm going to conclude this. We had our suffering, what, what's, what is the reality, what is uh, the, or the reason for it, and what's our response to it? And then now that what is the reality, the reason, and response to Jesus, as Christians now, in light of Jesus, Christians, we get to have a different view of suffering. 
For the believers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the reality is you are either suffering or you're not currently suffering, right? Everyone in this room falls in one of those two categories. You're either actually suffering right now or you're not suffering. And I want to speak to both of you guys today. If you're currently suffering, the reality is God understands your suffering. The reason God understands is that he's experienced your suffering firsthand in his son Jesus. God knows pain and he knows loss and he knows terror. Your response could be one of joy, knowing that God will not leave you or forsake you in your own suffering, and that through Jesus Christ, God has given you hope for a day when there is no more suffering. The hope that sustained Christ in the dark hours of Gethsemane and at Calvary was the the hope of joy beyond the cross. He could see beyond the cross. The cross wasn't the end. That beyond the cross, there was this amazing glory to be held uh, with the Father. So he had joy of being full of glory with God in his redeemed creation, a creation with no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, and no sin. And that same hope sustains us in our current suffering that God is working all things to his good. And if you're not currently suffering, the reality is there are many, many people suffering around you. The reason you need to know that is because God has commanded us to respond to them with grace, compassion, and love, the same grace, compassion, and love that God actually showed us. So as our perfect model, we see Jesus, and he left this perfect union of comfort with the Trinity to actually enter into our suffering, to take on our suffering, and to redeem and to give hope to our suffering. Jesus entered into our suffering so we can actually enter into others. So in this room right now, like right now, there are many people suffering. Um, In this room right now, there are many who refuse to face their suffering and to acknowledge that they're suffering. But by God's grace, God came to us when we had no hope of reaching him. He who knew no suffering suffered through bearing the wrath of God for all sins. He who knew only union and love within God bore our rejection and bore our shame. So we remember that every Sunday here at uh, the Ville Church. Um, We remember how Jesus had his body broken and his blood spilt by taking communion. Um, We take communion, we, we drink this juice that represents Jesus' blood and the bread that represents his body to to actually remember and stop for a second in our super hectic, busy lives that the crucifixion actually happened. There was a man named Jesus. He did die on a cross. He claimed to be God. Do we actually believe that? And if he was God, what does that mean for us today? These are the things that we need to be thinking through, and it's hard in a world that is super distracted, um, that, that brushes away suffering and pain and is cynical to things like that. But this is why we take uh, communion. Um, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus did all of this. He was tormented, tortured, beaten, spit on, just shamed, to an unimaginable degree for the joy set before him, 
which was in heaven with the Father. So what was specifically this joy that he had to do all that for us? He had the joy of just obeying his Father, that he knew that obeying his Father was good, and he wanted to do it, and that it gave him joy to do that. He, he did it for the joy of redeeming creation, that creation that had been originally hexed, vexed by sin, is now being redeemed through his sacrifice. He did it for the joy of conquering Satan, that he would not rule over the world forever. And he did it to, for the joy of conquering not only Satan, but death and sin, that um, there's one day where the new kingdom is not going to have any of that. And he did it for the joy of bringing us back into fellowship with God, that he didn't want us to be left alone, that he actually did it for the joy to bring us back into fellowship with God. So with that in mind, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us.